Welcome to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about how to plan and execute an unforgettable event that will dazzle your guests and generate more income for your organization. From fundraising and securing trendy auction items to event production and logistics, get the best tips and advice from seasoned fundraising and event professionals who have been in your shoes. Welcome back to the Elevate Your Event Podcast, where we talk about all the many different ways that you can make your fundraising events better. And today in the studio, we have a special guest. We've got Sean Olds from Boodle.ai. Is that right? Boodle.ai, yes. All right. Sean, go ahead and introduce yourself. Give us a little background and tell us what Boodle does. Sure. Sean Olds, co-founder and co-CEO of Boodle.ai. I got my start in the military. I went to West Point, was a computer science major. I won't take credit for our our tech stack. The program, the languages I programmed in, they now teach in the history of computers class. Yeah, me too. I get it, yeah. So (laughs) I have a wonderful tech team and development team. But I did my time in the military, got out, went into building companies and got the startup bug in the late 90s and continued that until September 11th happened, went back into government service, did counterterrorism work with the government, mostly Southwest Asia and Africa, and then came back into building companies, both domestically and overseas. During that time, I also spent about 25 years building or working and serving on boards of nonprofits. And I I jokingly say the genesis of Boodle, my co-founder has a very similar path, and I, I jokingly say the genesis is that we were both lazy. We both got tired of beating our heads against the wall, trying to raise money for nonprofits, and wanted to find a way to make it more effective and more efficient. And so we wanted to develop a technology, specifically data science and machine learning, in an easily consumable manner for nonprofits. And I, I usually give the, this spiel on a, you know, a Zoom that we've all been on for three years, but I equate it to Zoom. You know, most people have been on Zoom through the pandemic and, and using it more and more even afterwards. And I tell people all the time, I'll take a bet with you. I'll, I'll bet you that 90% of the people you've spoken to on Zoom could not explain to you how video over IP works. Yeah. And the reality is we wanted to do the same thing for, and, and the reason is, is because Zoom has made it the press of a button. Right? right, People don't need to learn that. We wanted to make machine learning the same thing. And so that's what we did in the course of doing so and building our tech stack. We developed a few uniquities that we realized could be used by the commercial world as well. And so we've worked both with commercial and nonprofit clients to help them understand better how people consume and donate. That's awesome. And so as it might be no surprise to our audience, we're going to talk about AI today and artificial intelligence. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about it in general, but I think also about how it can be used to improve an event. This is the Elevate Your Event podcast. Well, we'll make those connections, but it's fascinating background. I mean, not too different from ours. So I think, you know, we, we have some some synergies there as it relates mm-hmm. to trying to figure out better ways to, to raise money for nonprofits. And so I, first, I want to thank you for your service, obviously, to our country. And then also thank you for your service to the nonprofits you've been you know, helping to raise money for. So I, I know that can be a labor as well. So Labor anyway. of love, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what we like to say. <clears throat> so, but anyway, fabulous that you're in the studio with us today because Thanks AI is one of those things that I think freaks a lot of us out, right? As, as you've probably heard in the news, there's a lot going on and people are starting to say, wait, that's creepy and cool all at the same time. And it probably is a little creepy and cool all at the same time, what you're going to be able to figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and some of the data though that 
that obviously we've analyzed on the nonprofit side, the, the tools aren't necessarily new, right? I mean, there's, and so explain, like when we talk about, you know, the wealth engines of the world or some mm-hmm. of those other tools out there where I can give it a list of names and addresses and it comes back and gives me wealth information. Where, where does, where does it go from there? What does AI do Sure. Above and beyond that, yeah. And I'm gonna I'm gonna address the first thing you talked about, the creepy part. Because yeah. we we've spent six years dealing with nonprofit people who thought, oh no, AI is gonna take my job. We're actually thinking about a new tagline. Yes, AI is coming for your job, but only the boring parts. Sweet. So we've always advocated that the best team is the human machine team, because at the end of the day, AI can do in hours what might take a human weeks, if not months, of analytics work to do. But what the AI can't do is what we're really good at as humans, which is the fundraising portion, the ability to engage. If you leave a machine to do a major gift fundraise and it identifies Mrs. Jones as a great major gift fundraiser and it makes that phone call, it's going to ask Mrs. Jones how she's doing. And then when she goes, oh, I've got to get out of here. My husband just had a car accident. Our son's got COVID. My daughter, Julie, just broke her leg. And I've got this board deck i got to prepare. The machine's going to say, okay, thank you very much, Mrs. Jones. Jones, would you like to make a $5,000 donation today? We as humans have the empathy to say, you know, wow, is there anything we can do to be helpful right now? That that development director is going to make a note in their calendar to call back a week from now and check in with Mrs. Jones, maybe a month from now to make sure everything's good. And then finally, two months from now, when the household is settled, to make that ask. And so that human machine team can perform at a much higher rate than either the human or the machine could do alone. As far as when you look at, and I, I love your example of, I've got all this data, and, and that's what the, you know, the well screening tools and a lot of others do is they just sell you data. And I've watched nonprofits, I've sat on boards, as I said, for 25 years, waste so much money to be able to say, well, we've got all this data on our donors now. Good, what are you doing with it? Well, we don't know. And what the AI does is it helps provide insights. You can build models. You can start to understand who individuals are. You can start to predict the very nature upon which they're going to do. It's not always sure that just because somebody's done something once that they're definitely going to do it again. I'm sure you're familiar with the statistic that's been in in the nonprofit space circulating for about the past decade or so that 80% of first-time donors don't come back. Right. Right? So you want to look at the 20% who do, and that's what we did at Boodle when we started seven years ago, is if we looked at the 20% who do come back, they come back because they have an affinity for the cause. And so what AI allows you to do is take literally billions of data points, combine them all together to start to understand a person's affinity. And that's not something an individual development director is going to have the time or necessarily the ability to do. But I think it's not what the wealth information is going to give you either, right? I mean, so I, I could say wealth screening data can tell you who's rich. It may not tell you who's generous. It's also not necessarily going to tell you, to your point, who has an affinity for your cause because it's not providing you some of that behavioral data that you can get from those individuals to say, hey, look, they've donated or people like these people have donated in similar industries or types of nonprofits and stuff, right? I think it's what you're getting at. Absolutely. Yeah, that's powerful. You know, and I think that can definitely inform, you know, the people who are getting on the phone and talking to donors. And and, and I love your example of the fact that the machines are good at, at figuring out the information, but they don't have the, the human concept of empathy built into them, at least not yet. <laughs> <laughs> 
and that's going to scare me when they do. It's funny, like my autistic daughter is very similar, right? Yep. And so I kind of equate it to that. I mean, she doesn't, she's not able to process those types of things either. She wants very factual, you know, I would say superficial conversations. And those don't work great for fundraising because fundraising is relational. Correct. Yeah. So that's awesome. So anyway, so we take artificial intelligence. We say, okay, so now what that's going to do is it's going to give us some relational information. So let's talk about just some examples of where we see that being used to improve fundraising, Mm -hmm. specifically events. So who's coming? Right. Have you have you worked with different nonprofits on helping them understand, you know, not just who the rich people are that are coming, but right. wh- where do you take it from there to Absolutely. help them? We w- one of the greatest pleasures as an entrepreneur is not necessarily the exit, the sale, anything else. It's when your client teaches you how to use your own technology. Mm-hmm. And so we actually had a client who called us up all excited and said, "Hey, you know that interest list you build?" And so part of the things we're able to do is take in a set of people. Uh, and then attribute to them their their interest. And sometimes people get really surprised at the interest that they have. So this particular group had brought in the 550 people who had RSVP'd to their gala. They took the interest list, and then they used that to curate their auction items. They've had 10 years of auctions, and they saw over a 30% increase in revenue over any previous auction because people were bidding on things they wanted, not just out of obligation. Right. And that sounds awesome. You know, and, and I think that, that that benefits anybody. I don't care how long you've been running an auction. Sometimes, you know, in your audience, there's probably some that's fairly consistent over the years that sure. are probably close to you. And some of them might bid on anything you put out there just to support you. But, but there's probably some portion of your audience that's changing year over year. And I think it's yep. fascinating to say, am I keeping up with that? Absolutely. Because we tend to get stuck in certain ruts a lot of times when we're running auctions because we have that donor relationship or that donation relationship with a certain business, and we know they're going to donate to us every year. And maybe over the years, we're starting to notice that's becoming less and less interesting. And I've been to events where you kind of see it, you know, and and look, I'm sure the computer would have figured this out way faster than me, right? But I show up at this event, and I'm looking at the items that are getting no bids, and then I look at the audience, and I'm like, Makes perfect sense, yep. right? The audience consists of a lot of older retired people. All the items getting bid on were trips and wine, yep. and the items that were not getting bid on were the Children's Discovery Museum <laughs> and the zoo, right? <laughs> yep. So, unless they are taking grandkids to those, that's just not a good fit for who they are. Correct. You know, where this could have preempted that and said, yep. "Hey, look, this is not only what their interests are, but you know, can you break it down also into kind of what their spending capacity is or what." maybe what parts of the event they would participate in. I mean, can we know he's a live auction type of person, but this is going to be more of a silent auction kind of guy? Absolutely. So AI can be used. I I gave an example of how you use it ahead of time. It could be used at the event. It can be used post-event. So at the event, very much so. Hey, let's identify people who are likely to bid on a live auction. Let's identify people who are likely to bid on silent auction items. And even within, if you've got a large selection of silent auction, who's likely to bid on the sports stuff versus the wine stuff versus the kids stuff? Yeah. And now what you can do is targeted, you know, targeted messaging. The, the development team at that point can say, let's make sure that Jane Smith knows about the, you know, the, the sports tickets that are out there. She's a big hockey fan, and this is a, you know, hockey's a big in- interest of her. So let's right. make sure she knows that. And so you, instead of just mass blasting, here's everything in our, our silent auction, you can start to target certain individuals, making sure that they're getting what's going to be an interest to them and draw them into the silent auction.
This podcast is powered by Handbid, mobile bidding and auction software that makes every event a smash. Visit handbid.com to learn more and schedule your free demo today. I think it's brilliant. You know, I'm thinking about how we handle broadcast messaging inside of Handbid and saying we could take this to the next level to to what you're describing. I'm just kind of getting like in this engineering ideation yep. mode right now, but <laughs> but I could I could certainly see in the future saying Here's a category that we have, and give me a list of people that have an affinity for that category, and I'm going to send them a custom broadcast. Absolutely. Introducing items in that category. I love that. I love that, and, and I see engineering-wise how that could actually work, so yep. I think that's really cool. So this is the creepy and cool part. We're kind of talking more about the cool part, but when you start getting you know, broadcast messages sent to you, you know, I think it's it goes beyond creepy because I think for me – I don't want to hear about items that I have no interest in. I agree. Right? So it's it's the same question that people say about, you know, the ads that are now, like, you have to get permission to track people mm-hmm. inside of these apps inside of Apple. And so people were like, oh, I don't want to be tracked. I'm like, do you? You might, because then you're just going to get, you're going to get ads no matter what. Yep. So do you want the ads that actually are interesting? Maybe you don't. Like, I don't want any ads going to my wife that are interesting. Because <laughs> I don't want her clicking on anything and buying that stuff. But for me, yeah, sure. Right. Know, I get it. Well, that's awesome. Let's keep going down this path here. So, you know, one of the things, I was actually playing around with this. And I thought this was cool because we get people all the time who are working with us around their item descriptions and stuff. And mm-hmm. I actually don't think that, I mean, you could probably do this today. I was looking at an auction item that was up, and I said, okay, what, what could ChatGPT do with this item description? And I thought this was, this was actually awesome. So uh, now it probably blew this out more than I would want, but I had an item description, and it was like, spend the day exploring one of Denver's most popular neighborhoods with the best of our South Pearl package. Begin your day with a stop at Nixon's for a cup of coffee or fresh Java. Spend the day browsing local stores, Gracie's Boutique, Common Threads, etc. Grab a classic wood-fired pizza for lunch at Chaos Pizzeria and finally drinks at Uno Mas. You get a $20 gift card from Nixon's, a $50 gift card from Gracie's, a $50 gift card from Common Threads, a $25 gift card from Chaos Pizza. So ChatGPT turns this into embark on an unforgettable urban adventure through Denver's vibrant South Pearl neighborhood with our exclusive Best of South Pearl package. Prepare to immerse yourself in a day of exploration, indulgence, discovery as you delve into the heart of this captivating community. I'm like, this is good, right? <laughs> and so this goes on. I'm not going to read the entire thing because it'll take up the entire podcast, but I love stuff like sip on a steaming cup of perfection while you plan your itinerary for the day, knowing that your mug and a $20 gift card will keep you fueled and ready for an exciting experience. So I'm going through, I'm like, this is awesome. And then I'm thinking, okay, I can't print this. Like I, I would love to put this in my mobile app for people to read because I'm, I'm already ready to bid on this item, but what can I put on a display sheet? So then I told chat GPT, I said, all right, I need the TLDR. Like I need the too long didn't read right. response. And it came back with Best of South Pearl package offers an urban adventure in South Pearl's neighborhood. Package includes coffee and a gift card from Nixon's, shopping opportunities at Gracie's Boutique with lunch and gift cards provided. Lunch at Chaos Pizzeria is included with a gift card. The day ends with drinks at Uno Mas Taqueria and Cantina. This package provides a chance to indulge in unique experiences. Yep. I'm like, got it. I love it. So Look, for, for people who just dread writing these item descriptions, this started with a very, I would say, okay written, but but not greatly written paragraph. Yep. And I got two versions of that, 
in less than 30 seconds. Yep. It's, generative it's, AI is an amazing technology. It really is, yeah. And it's, it's. I mean, you look at the adoption rate. Yeah. The, the telephone took 75 years to get 100 million users. ChatGPT took two months to get 100 million users. Yeah. It blew any other previous technology out of the water. I was in, in, in the nonprofit space is known for not being quick at technology adoption. I was at the AFPI con conference in April. Mm -hmm. It was out of, I don't know, 60, 70 sessions. There was one on ChatGPT. I went into it figuring it'd be empty. There were 300 seats. It was standing room only. And whenever I give speeches on AI within the nonprofit community, I always start first 30 seconds. How many of you have used AI this week? And before ChatGPT, less than half the hands in the room would go up. I go, okay, for all of you who, who don't have your hands up, how many of you use Netflix? How many use Google Maps? How many of you, like people don't realize AI is in their life every single day. Right. It's there, right? They just didn't realize it. At this conference, the, the speaker on the ChatGPT session asked the very similar question. How many of you have used ChatGPT? In a room of people who are usually tech folks and, and, and slow adopters, over 90% of the hands went up. That's amazing. ChatGPT, generative AI, is a very easy-to-use technology, and people can figure out how to get it into their workflows and what they do. Just your example, hey, I've got to write 10-item descriptions. That's usually going to take me a few hours. Now I can have it done in about an hour, and it's probably going to do a better job than I do. Right. Now, you still need the human-machine team. Right. I don't know if you saw the news article Last, last week, the, the lawyer who will probably no longer be a lawyer much longer, yes. who used ChatGPT to cite a bunch of cases that actually didn't exist and then submitted them to in court, and he didn't vet it. He just took exactly what ChatGPT gave him, took it as gospel, and put it out there. Yeah, and I've read some of the stuff it writes, and you have to do correct it from time. So, Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I definitely understand that. What are some other things that nonprofits need to know about the risks of using ChatGPT? Outside of making sure you just don't cut and paste, yeah. one of the other big things is you don't know where your data is. If you're putting data in, if you're putting any information in about your donors, about anything in your nonprofit, it's owned by the generative AI, and they can do what they want. OpenAI made a, after using people's data to train, they've made a statement since that they're not going to do it anymore. But there are, at last count, about 100 LLMs out there, and those assurances aren't out there with all of them yet. Okay. So just for our audience, can you define what an LLM is? Sorry, lar large language model. They have been around since about 2017, I think, was when the first one started in development. And what makes them unique is you can't just decide, I'm going to start an LLM company and have one up and running in a few months. These models take in vast amounts of data, all, un all unstructured data, and bring it in and are able to just assimilate it. And in doing so be able to give very defined responses back to people. And so that's why when you look at like OpenAI, which ChatGPT is built upon, it will talk about ChatGPT4, how many data points it has used to build that out. And I saw, I think the last one I just saw launched was over a trillion. That's the new record. Hmm. And so when you've got that much knowledge for it to pull from, it can produce amazing responses very, very quickly. But all of the LLMs right now do something called hallucinating, which we as humans sometimes do too, right? <laughs> but the they can, in fact, OpenAI last I saw states that over 30% of the responses will be hallucinations. Wow. Uh, and, and we've seen that. It, it'll give one response that is amazing, and then it'll give another response that is sounds really convincing, but you do just a little bit of research and find out it's completely inaccurate. And so you need that human machine team there to kind of check it, make sure it's good. But 
if it is, then run with it. And that's why if you've got people who are, this is why I say AI empowers people, right? It's, it's, if you're trying to turn a, you know, 21 year old college graduate who's walking in into your, you know, VP of marketing using ChatGPT, it's not going to work. But if your VP of marketing needs to do some quick stuff that might take several hours, they can now do it in probably half your, an hour. Your job is safe, Kristen. <laughs> 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 no, I get it. I mean, it definitely can speed things up. And I think it also can be a good starting point for some of the things that people want to do. So I would still go back through these item descriptions. And like even though the TLDR response, I'd throw back in the values. Right. I mean, it did. It, it pulled out that the fact that it's a fifty dollars gift card. And I think that's kind of helpful. Yep. But you know, I think it's it, it's a good basis to to do things. You know, around item descriptions or maybe even you know donor emails and responses. Right. And sometimes I'm just curious. You know, like our staff uses Grammarly too, and Grammarly <laughs> has a, an AI engine built into it now called Grammarly Go, and it's funny because. Like you could do something very simple, like write an email and then you could say, make it better. And I would say 60% of the time it's better. Sometimes it's just rewritten what you just said. But what's funny is when you say, like they have an option that says, write an apology email. And of course I'm thinking like, okay, you have to give it what you want to apologize for. (laughs) But it's fascinating sometimes what these things come up with because they definitely, like, I I like that sense. I'm going to use that. I'm definitely not using the next one. So. But I think, you know, in terms of donor correspondence, whether you're writing that invite email and you're trying to really incentivize people to come to your event, you know, how do I, like, I love those, right? Like, I've written my invitation and now I'm just going to literally inside of like, you know, the editor in Hambit, I'm going to hit Grammarly and say, make this more compelling. I could tell it that. And then all of a sudden it's rewriting. I'm like, yes, I like this. Right. But now the step further you can do, think about an event. Right now, when you try and convince someone to come to your event, you're trying to you're writing a one generic letter that's going to go out to hundreds of people, thousands of people that you're going to try and invent. We we created Boodle GPT, which is a, a middle layer AI company. Sam Altman, who founded OpenAI, when he was talking to Reid Hoffman, mentioned that like the next generation of companies are going to be middle layer AI companies, companies mm-hmm. that have proprietary data, proprietary insights that they can sit on top of an LLM that then allow them to give deeper insights into an mm-hmm. industry or a vertical. So now imagine, because ChatGPT knows nothing about your donors or who you're writing to. You could feed it, hey, I got a prospect list of 1,000 people. You can feed those 1,000 names in. It doesn't know who those people are. Right. With Boodle GPT, because of the identity resolution engine that we've built into it, we can identify who those people are in the real world. Then we can match them to the 35 billion insights we have. Now, with the speed of generative AI, you can ask it to write letters to invite people based on their individual interests. So all of a sudden, it can write a 1,000 letters for you in no time at all, but very specific to each individual's interest. So if you are – and you could feed it in, hey, by the way, these are my auction items. So now it can write towards that person's interest and highlight – Jane's interest in hockey and Bob's interest in wine and be able to pique their interest even further rather than just one generic letter. That is cool. That is really cool. And I think what it does, to your point, is it's really going to drive a higher conversion if you're able to do that, to get people interested in what you're doing. Correct. Have you seen it used even in terms of how you would even organize like a mobile bidding interface? 
Or have you thought about how that could work where based on who you are logged in, I could resort and show items in a certain order, I would think. If, if the engineering was done on the front end, it yeah. absolutely could be done that way. Where you know, hey, this individual shares these interests, we're going to pop these items up in front of them. Absolutely. You still give them the opportunity, of course, to look at the entire suite, but mm -hmm. why not draw them in with what's going to be most interesting to them? Yeah. I mean, I think even just sorting the categories that way. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. This is so exciting. You know what I think we should use this for? <laughs> Getting auction items. There you go. <laughs> True. Good <laughs> you point. Talk yeah. about the, you talk about the job that people don't want, and I think if the people on this phone are involved in building and doing silent auctions, they're probably saying, I remember what Sean said at the beginning of this, that they're going to you know, eliminate the parts of my job I don't want. That's, That's right. probably part of the job they don't want. They don't want. But I will tell you another way they can use AI is in understanding the people who are there. Now, if you can show that, hey, I'm, I'm bringing 550 people to my gala and they have a high interest in jewelry, now you can go to a jewelry provider in the area and show them, hey, here are the people who are attending, Here's their disposable income. Basically, I'm showing you your market. Yeah. Would you like to donate an item and have a lot of advertising in front of your market? So now it's not just, hey, will you give to us because we're a charity and you have no idea who's coming to our event and they may be buying your, your item at a huge discount. Right. It's now I'm putting you in front of your target market who will potentially come see you. Yeah. I love it. And I, and I think that you couple that with some AI assistance in how you actually – deliver that message because you know mm -hmm. some people are comfortable cold calling and kind of getting on the phone and sure. asking and some people aren't right but to take that person on your team because i think everybody has one and you cling on to that person on your auction team <laughs> who just i don't know what it is but but she gets everything right right because she's not afraid to ask in most cases and so you know they're the ones that are always emailing saying i got a donation from this place i got a, it's coming in the mail i'm thinking how do you get all this stuff take that person and whether it's a series of emails that are going out or it's a series of phone calls that get AI generated, how cool would that be? Because once you've kind of gotten, you know, to your point, like all that information down, like, hey, we're having 550 people come. They've got an interest in jewelry, specifically this type of jewelry. And I think if you donated this type of item to our event, you know, it'd go a long way to exposing you to a great audience yep. who will ultimately – See you as philanthropic, be interested in your info, you know, into your item, and might show up in your store. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I love it. I mean, it's like I said, it's it's endless what you can do. I know it's overwhelming for a lot of folks on the call. I think some things that you mentioned, I think, are important to to reinforce. Chat GPT to me is fun, and it did a great job of me showing my daughter what a three paragraph essay should be or a five paragraph three argument essay should be on the symbols of christophany and lord of the flies <clears throat> she was really disappointed when chat gpt came out with that in less than 20 seconds <laughs> <laughs> she worked on it for a week but it's cool at that stuff but when it comes to your donor's personal data you got to be really careful absolutely you know, because you don't want that stuff being exposed and and they will own it and mm -hmm. will take it microsoft will own it that's right so Looking and so let's talk about Boodle for a second here. That mid-layer GPT that you're talking about, 
working with companies like Hambid, you're working with them to integrate that technology directly into the software so Correct. that it's that data stays safe inside of the application, right? Correctly. So Boodle, Boodle as an entity has always operated as a data processor. We don't sell data. That's not our business model. So our terms of service forbids us from selling, sharing, co-oping. Basically, we can't do anything with a client's data other than what they direct us to do. So we act, in a lot of ways, we act like a CRM or a cloud storage entity. Because of that, because that's the way we built, what we realized when we started interacting with generative AI is we could actually act as a safeguard for organizations. So by building Boodle GPT, we can do everything with the data inside our application layer and simply use the generative AI in helping us generate the response that, that the user needs, but never actually putting any of their data into the foundational LLM we may be using. And we may switch off of ChatGPT at some point and go to Bard or Anthropic or one of the other ones that are out there if they become better suited for the nonprofit space. Hmm. But what's important is they never touch the PII. We keep it in our application layer under our terms of service, which strictly prohibits it being sold or anything else. And you're absolutely right. A lot of organizations don't realize that they're putting their own organizations at risk, their data at risk. And so we started from day one as we don't sell data, we sell insights. We mm -hmm. consume billions of data points in order to build the insights that we have, but what we deliver are insights that you can then action on. Yeah. And I've seen some of the insights you shared them with me and they're they're unbelievable. You know, and Thank you. and I think that what's what's amazing about it is that everybody's like so what? What would I do with this? Well, <clears throat> I think what's nice is you couple that with a little bit of coaching from your provider or whoever to tell you, "Hey, this is how you can action on that data." Um, and we don't have dissimilar conversations with folks who are always like, "Hey, do you integrate with Salesforce? Do you integrate with Boomerang or do you integrate with, you know, Blackbot?" Okay, yes, but what are you going to do with that information, right. right? It's one thing to synchronize transactions over there. In other podcasts, we've talked about you know, what, what can you do with activity data. Well, that activity data can inform future conversations and decisions, and let, but let's keep that data inside of our own ecosystem and then let AI use that in the future to say this person has a propensity to go to these types of events or not, yep. right? Yeah, it's and, awesome. And that was one of the big reasons we jumped into building Boodle GPT is – to your point, you know, we felt we were taking a big step and instead of just saying this person is wealthy and saying we've delivered the insights to show this person has an interest in your cause and this is the ask range of how much disposable income they have and you should probably ask them for. That, you know, their, their philanthropic ability basically. Even with that though, people might not know or might not get there and understand that. With generative AI, it allows a development director to walk in, have a question, ask that question, and then be able to capitalize on our 35 billion insights, proprietary insights, and get the answer back that they want. Right. Who at my event is capable of donating $10,000? Exactly. Boom, here comes the list of names. That or, is so cool. Or step further, yeah. I'm doing an event in the Dallas area. Here are the last 3,000 people to attend my event more than once. How many people in Dallas look like this? Can you rent me, build me a rental prospect list so that I can reach out digitally, email, phone, however else they want to they reach out to people? So we can actually help them build net new donors in an area where they're doing an event. Right. And Running events, other things like that. That gets me excited. You know, I think about all the different fundraising possibilities you can do with that and, you know, and obviously going well beyond just what auction items should I have, but let's get the right people there first. Right. 
Now, the danger in that is we might find out that your wife likes wine and be able to let, invite her to an event, but sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, we have ways in Hambit of limiting spending, which doesn't sound like a really good fundraising tool, but we do commercial auctions as well, and, and some of the commercial clients like that. But yeah, I've, I've thrown that one at her before. Unfortunately, um, she knows more of the Hambit code than I do, so <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that, that she would find some backdoor for herself, I'm sure. Fair enough. But that's awesome. Well, this has been a, I would say, enlightening for me, hopefully for the audience, just, you know, kind of the, what's coming, right? I, I would say kind of what's on the horizon and it's it's coming here faster than any other technology I've seen in a while. I mean, even, even as fast as mobile took over the internet and that technology has, is still, it's been 10, 12 years to really get full adoption. This is going to go much faster than that, I think. And that's. It, it absolutely yeah. is. And the only thing I would say is don't be scared by it. It's, yeah. it's now easier to use you know, as, as demonstrated by the adoption that's already happened. And the neat thing about it is in, in the generative interface that it has, people can do everything from their job to, you know, settle a debate with their, their office mate on who was the highest score on the 1985 Celtics team. Yes. Like it's, it does a wide variety of things. It doesn't just have to help you at work. It can help you in a variety of other areas. It does. You know, the other day it was funny. I was like, what, what can I get out of AI for cooking? I, I like to cook on the side. It's got a, and so I said, all right, I've got Four Roma tomatoes. I got a yellow onion, a white onion. I, I gave it a list of ingredients, and You're I said, amazing. "Yeah, I said, give me an Asian recipe, an Italian recipe, and I think a Mexican recipe." And it did. Oh, yep. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, you would just spend hours on Google trying to find that. Yeah. yeah. Now, I it didn't tell me which ones were the best, that, but <laughs> and it wasn't going to cook them for you. It wasn't going to. That's next, I'm sure. <laughs> There is this device. It's funny. I was. I have a friend, and he's from Poland. Apparently, these are these are really popular in Europe, and I forget what they're called. But it's literally like the entire machine cooks everything. You just dump all the ingredients in, and you hit a button, and it cooks it. And I said, you know, part of the enjoyment is cooking, right? And so, if you're a writer, part of the enjoyment's writing, yes, right. And if you're a salesperson or you're a fundraiser, part of the enjoyment is talking to people, right. So you don't want to give that part up, but you know, obviously use the technology in ways that makes it easier. Well, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. It's and I'm sure we'll have you, I'd love to have you on again in the future. We talk about Happy where to. things are going, but you know, I'm sure we're going to get lots of questions from our audience and gosh, how do I, how do I leverage this technology? So if that's the case, reach out to us um, and we'll start connecting you with ways that you can leverage AI and fundraising and, you know, and, and connect you with Boodle if you need to do that. And we'll start building more of this insights into our own platform. You know, obviously we're we look forward to working with you on it. it. We'll wrap this podcast up. Thanks for listening to Elevate Your Event Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star review and share it. Share with people that you think could benefit from the information we're sharing. Until then, happy fundraising. 